Amen. Amen. Wow. I'm uh, really touched by that um, level of honor. I do know that Isaac likes me, uh, but I didn't know that he could maybe put it to words. The way he did just now, they really like touched me in my heart, you know, and I'm, uh, I'm excited uh, to be here. So I trust God in the next uh, few minutes to be able to bring an importation to this house that will be tangible in the spirit, that will be weighty and make every second count. Make every second count. Let the interactions with heaven be real, be powerful. I ask that God in his mercy would bleed beyond the measure of my anointing in the spirit or the measure of the rank that I have to reach you where you are. I pray that God will break all the obstacles and take down mountains just to reach you. Go into bends and calves and counters just to reach you. Because you are the reason why we are given why the gifts of God are given. The purpose of the fivefold ministry is to equip the saint. God had the saint in view. God had the believer in mind. God wanted something done to the believer and he looked for, for, for instruments that he can use and expire and waste in order that he might reach his end, which is the people. And so we fully understand that he has not called us to be lord over God's heritage. He has not called us to be, to be, to be chiefs in the, um, to, in, to, he, he, the kingdom is not a chiefdom for any anointed man of God. He has called us to be servants of Christ. And we recognize that position. We love that position. We honor that position. We stay there. We die there. We are, we are pleased to be his servants, to serve him with every breath that's in us, with every blood that's in our veins. We will serve him. And we pray that when we have done this service, one day he will look upon us and say, well done, good and faithful servant. And when he says that, we will say to him, on what is servants are we? We've not done anything. They've not graced us from. For who are we? Now we might offer to God anything for all that ah, is from you and all that we have comes from you. You are the of our life. You are our depth, our fountain, our very life itself. We are nothing outside of you. And all that you have given, we have given back. Sometimes we've even withheld some of what you've given us because of unfaithfulness and inconsistency and all those things. But you, oh God, have been faithful. And you have been there. And you understand our frame. You know we are dust. But you know your Holy Ghost is working within us to bring us into fullness. We cooperate with that working in the name of Jesus. And Father, this morning, right here, uh, in this house, standing right here in this place of many angels, in this place of, in this community of life and light, I ask that you would be, your presence would be evident on a new octave and a new way. You would talk to us, talk to every heart. I ask that you will put words in my mouth. I ask that you put a concern in my spirit. I ask above the words and the concerns that you would reign upon this house with that heavenly substance, the glory of God, that the glory of God will be felt here, that the glory, oh master, that this house will be called the house of glory, that this house will be known as a place Glory. Now this house will be known as a place of glory because you will teach their hands to craft to craft the dimensions of the kingdom that can accommodate the glory of God. That the architecture of the spirit will be found here because you're working here to bring forth glory. That when men want to touch the glory or see the glory or know the glory or experience the glory, they will say, Come, let us go to that house over there. Let us go there, for there the glory of the Lord is. And when they come, they will see glory. Now when they come, they will see that a portal is here. They will see that something, a divine architecture has been constructed in this place. And here they will see men ascend and men who descend into heavenly places and here they'll see angels they'll see those who ascend and descend here they'll see heaven being built into the earth because of the glory of God that is upon those who craft and those who worship and those who lead in the Jesus Lord we honor you this morning speak speak Lord and my heart will obey 
the words that you're speaking to my heart today. My heart is open wide, and I know that when you speak, you provide for my every need. I know you meet my every need. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 oh hallelujah, 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 oh, oh, hallelujah, sing it again, yeah. And so I'm looking and saying, so what exactly should be the posture? What, what, what will be done here? And sometimes the way that I, I, I do, because of apostolic anointing, and it's not a title, it's a function. Uh, when an apostle comes in a place, he's looking at architecture. You know, not, not the outward, the form in the spirit. Like Paul says to the Colossian church, he says, though I be absent in the flesh, yet I'm, I'm present with you in the spirit, joined to behold your spirit the steadfastness of your faith and the order that is among you. What did he mean by order? Is, is what is the form that's been built in your midst? What is that thing that you call community? What is that thing that you call Christianity? Because many times people have built things that are not consistent with divine architecture. And if you know God, and God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, he has not changed, his standards do not shift. He can say it's 21st century, there's internet now, pornography, you know, is, is available and all that. So, I'm going to reduce my standard of holiness a little bit. No, he, he hasn't reduced nothing. He still, he still hates sin the way he hated it before. He's still mad at disobedience the way he was mad at it before. He still does not like disorder and lawlessness and all of those things. Just like before, God has not shifted one bit from being what he ever was. God has been perfect forever and God will continue to be perfect. You see, God cannot grow. God cannot improve on himself. God cannot become more holy. He can become more righteous. Whatever it is to attain, he already attained before he began. God is perfect in a state. The psalmist writes, it says, ascribe greatness. I think that was the, the psalm of Moses, psalm, Psalms 91. It says, ascribe greatness to our God the rock. His work is perfect and all his ways are just. A God of faithfulness without injustice. Good and upright is he. He's always been upright. He's always been perfect. All his ways have always been just. He is like that evermore. So shall be God is. So when he says, I am that I am, he says, I am, it means I is. He has never shifted from what he is. What he ever is is what he is. So, so in the words of man, he says, I, I'm he who was, he who is, and he who is to come. That's communicating his ever present nowness to created intellect. Because we live in a, in a world that is bordered by time. Until we refer to the past, we refer to the present and all that and the future. But eternity is now. So times when we talk about eternity, we say it in eternity past. And actually that is, there's nothing like that. Eternity is never past. Eternity is ever now. And there's no eternity future. Etern everything that's in the future, our future, is in eternity's present. And so the people who ought to be saved, as far as eternity is concerned, those who will be saved in 2050. They're already saved now in his presence. They're already members of the body in the present. Because the body of Christ is not an entity that is confined to time or geography. It transcends time. So it, it, it transcends space. So people who are in the past, they're part of the body. 
People who are in heaven, they're part of the body. People who are in the future, they're part of the body. The body is, there is one body. So Paul says in scripture, he says, uh, giving thanks, uh, no, he uh, says, for this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family, he calls it whole, holistic family in heaven and earth. There is one family that is in heaven. That same family spans across the earth is a trans world family. And in that family, every joint is connected and every joint supplies. So the guys that are in heaven, they are still supplying to the same body. So the fact that they are over there is, what happened is a shift, a change of geography. They just move, it's like traveling from, from Nigeria to Canada. It doesn't change anything. If you're part of the body, you're part of the body. Now you travel from, uh, from planet earth to planet heaven, doesn't change anything. They're still a part of the body. And those joints are still supplying now. And so sometimes in meetings when the cloud of witnesses are among us, they don't just come times to, 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 to they, they come to fellowship with us. They don't just cheer us up. Times they come to impart to us. They come to do their supplies because they're still supplying. Yeah. And then times they come to even get instructed in further revelation, further things that the Lord is doing here in the earth. There's a dynamic system that we, we, we don't know. But it's an awesome thing to be part of this majestic family. Today, I, t- I feel the inclination in my heart to just let you know you know, and to encourage you in what we've been called into. Amen. Amen. What we've been called, this thing that we call Christianity. So, so while you're thinking this morning about what I should say, I just feel that it will be sufficient to just come among you and then just bless you. Because sometimes when, when, we, were young, when we were younger, we would preach a lot of things, say a lot of things, say everything in order for the people to be blessed. But as you come to a place of greater maybe uh, 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 authority in the spirit, you don't need to labor that much for the blessings. And then also maturity has taught us that we walk with the Holy Ghost. Times you think you have to explain everything to everybody for them to get it. But now you know that all you need to do is set up a frequency and leave. And that frequency will just begin to reverberate. People will pick it from there and enter into secondary illuminations and, and, and tertiary illuminations, receive light and things and all that that they, they, they couldn't get before. So part of what we do is we come and open access in the spirit. We set up a note. You know, you know the way, uh, like, your pastor, maybe you hear, some, you hear a particular note, like, like, what was that? Uh, something like say, um, and then you just remember, me, I like you too. You just remember one song. That note sets up that thing. It recalls that memory. It's, and then or, or you hear something and then it triggers, you know, something. Yeah. So it's the kind of thing we're doing. We're setting up frequencies in the spirit that will trigger walk in God, trigger meditation. And then you just go along the line, you know, and to, 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 to open up things and all that. And then we know too that everybody here got the Holy Ghost. Yeah. And the Holy Ghost is a teacher. And he will teach you all things. He's the one that teaches. You think that we need to teach everybody everything. No, 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 no. Trust the Holy Ghost. If the Holy Ghost can teach me, believe me, he can teach anybody. Yeah. Often we feel that we are special, we can know. But no, many times we are even worse than some of the people we teach. Yeah. Actually in the flesh. Yeah. Some people are more disciplined, maybe we do study of the word, discipline with stuff. And then it's just a privilege that we are caught. Uh, well, it's the way it is. <laughs> it's the way it is. So we, 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 so we strive, like Paul says, I strive walking, you know, according to the grace of God that's in me. He, I put my body under me too, so that lest after I've preached the word, I will not be a castaway because there's great possibility for that. You will not assume that you are the most spiritual person in this place. There are people who have a walk with God that will shame you if God shows you and all that. So you humble yourself and then just be the servant you are called to be. And clearly that's the way to humble yourself and be the servant. People have walked with God. People hear God. People walk with God. And then if you go on the pastor, uh, you know, we have sons in this place. So. There are people here in this church that hear God. So, pastor, we just, uh, just know that you're not one of them. You're one of the outcasts. Or you will soon be. Okay, turn with me quickly. Maybe it will serve it if we read the Bible. Turn with me quickly to the book of Revelations chapter 21 and let us read uh, verse number 2 to 3 and then I will also read verse number 10 
And I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And verse 10, And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain, and he showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. In the first verse, it was introduced as the new Jerusalem. And then in the latter verse, it was introduced as the holy Jerusalem. Now, um, I would, I, I would talk briefly about the, about our destination. Our destination. Uh, and what, what I want to do is actually try to describe uh, what is happening in the earth right now and then where we are going. Uh, the world we were born into no longer exists. Uh, some of you are 20. There are quite a pr- pretty young people I see in this place. I don't know if there's anybody that's below 20, maybe 16, 17, and all of that. Uh, but what about if you're 16? Uh, the world you're born into, that's not the world that is right now. The shape of the world is shifting daily. We're awakening to new sounds, new ways of doing things, new, new order, new order. Back in the days, the way we did advertisement, you know, uh, was a certain way. The way we released music, the way we did. The whole world is generally changing. The world is being revised. What we call reality is being revised. And every day we're needing to, 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 to come abreast of the, the cascading, you know, uh, 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 shifting realities to, 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 to acquire new maps of reality. What do I mean by new maps of reality? Uh, we, we need to be able to see the world, like really see what is going on. Uh, it was uh, a certain uh, uh, Lieutenant Colonel in the U.S. Army many, many years ago. He died like two years ago. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Halmore during the, uh, 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 the Vietnamese War. I was actually uh, commanding a certain, you know, a, a platoon or a certain battalion like that of the U.S. Army. And there was this war for a particular territory, a particular piece of ground, you know, during the, 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 the war. And they had some co- Korean forces right there. And it was important, you know, who took that ground, that, that piece of ground. Because whoever t- took that piece of ground may shape the course of the whole war. You know, a war may have several battles, you know, in it. One war, like the Second World War, but there are several battles at several points that are fought. Okay, so this particular battle was going to be very significant. And so all the generals and Pentagon and all that, they had their eyes on that, on that piece of land and what the action, you know, the, the, the technical, tactical things going on there. And then, uh, well, in the end, Hamor and his troop took the, 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 that, that ground. They suffered a lot of casualties, like many of the boys died, you know, but, uh, by far, many more, you know, of the, of the enemy forces were killed because they were actually outnumbered four to one, you know, in that particular combat here, you know, and, um, <clears throat> so, but at the end, when everything, the war was over, uh, people reported to the generals that they didn't understand how most behaviors in the midst of the battle, midst of conflict, that sometimes he would withdraw himself and become totally incommunicado. That is, they couldn't connect to him and all that. And they thought that was putting the lives of the, of the boys at risk. And so they wanted to court-martial him and brought him before the, military generals who was sitting down in the panel the way you see it in movies and um then they asked him to explain himself now uh, you will have a report against you that you uh would just withdraw and all that and uh, jeopardizing the life of the boys uh why do you do that oh, <clears throat> what exactly is going on is that something we're missing out and he said well sirs i usually would withdraw so that i can answer three important questions and they said what questions are those it says number one i, I need to shut out all the noise and shut out everything so i can Ask myself, what is going on? Like for real, what is going on? And then number two, what is not going on? And number three, what can I do to affect what is going on? So what is going on actually deals with the issue of knowledge, information. I need to look at the situation and know what is going on. What is not going on deals with the issue of deception. Because many times the mind wants to assume something is going on that is not going on. So uh, a brother looks in this direction, you know, while he was singing a song. And then a sister there who has been believing God for that brother just says, he looked at me. 
he looked at me. And then she believes he looked at her. The guy didn't even know that he, even, he was even alive. Do you understand that? So that what is not going on deals with deception. So times we assume things are a certain way because it's more convenient for things to be in a certain way. We don't want to hear the opposite result because it's painful to accept certain things. And so we create illusions in our mind of reality. So we touch things based on what we have fabricated inside and not based on how they are. So, but it takes stripping away the lies and all of that to really assess things. What really is going on? So what is going on in the world right now? As we look right now, we're applying Halmor's principles. Okay, by the way, the generals not only acquitted Halmor, but they took hold of that procedure, that protocol, and they inserted it into the, the, the training system for, for, for military people. So if you go to maybe Sandos or maybe go to uh, uh, one of those military you know, institutions, part of what you'll be taught is assess the, 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 the situation all the time by asking yourself these questions. What is going on? What is not going on? Then what can I do right now to shift what is going on? He says, I need to do that so that I can take steps. Okay, so what's going on in the world right now? Well, the world right now is, um, uh, is moving towards what the, the, in Bible terms we call the, the end of times. The planet Earth is no longer sustainable the way that it is. The resources that God put in the universe are fast being depleted. If you go to Google or to Wikipedia and type biodiversity, you will find out from Google, I mean from, from Wikipedia, that about 98 point something, say 98 point something percent of all the diversities of species that God put in the universe are no longer here. Just think about it. It will, it will frighten you. 98 point something percent of all the different species of things that God created no longer exist. They're gone, gone into extinction. They're not here anymore. And so the earth is surviving on less than 2%, less than 0.2, okay, uh, less than 2% of everything that goes. So when you see plants, you see animals, you see species and all that, what you see is the residues, what is left. This world is almost gone. The United Nations thinks that in the next 30 years, there's not going to be enough water to feed to sustain like 75% of, of human population. And therefore, some people who have made themselves the, the, the self-acclaimed guardians of the universe have determined to shape that future. So that because the birth rate is actually among the Asians, Indians, Chinese, and then Africans. And the Africans con- control, I mean, contribute almost nothing <laughs> in their reckoning, apart from the ones in diaspora, those that are here in Africa, they contribute almost nothing to the wealth of the world, except they have got stuff in their land, and the world wants that. And China wants that, everybody wants that. So I'm thinking, let's knock off these guys, delete them as much as possible, you know, from the universe. And then so that we have fewer population, we can control our future. And people have decided to be guardians of the universe. Actually, the real guardians of the universe are ought to be the sons of God, the people of God. Because the task of guarding the universe was given to Adam. Adam was the guardian, the custodian of the, of the things of God. God, in his, in his operation, oh, this so much to say, I, I don't open a window that I cannot close. I trust the Holy Ghost to help me. Okay, so um, the, the world is shutting down. Yes? yes? The world is shutting down. The melting ice caps, the desertification, the deserts running into the, 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 into the south. The waters depleting, good soil, you know, dying out. Our carbon uh, our footprint increasing, all of those things just show that this earth has been mismanaged and the earth is shutting down. But beyond what you see in the physical architecture of the universe is man it itself. Man was created initially in the image of God. When man was created in the garden, he was God's lookalike. The creation of man was God's attempt at remaking himself. And it was a very successful attempt because when God, after God had created it in and God looked at himself, God said, man, this thing is, this is very good. I mean, this is good. This is by God's judgment. So God creates, you know, him, himself or he replicates himself in a creature 
And God says it's very good. And that which was very good, you know, was God's exactitude. He was, man was made in the image. Everybody say image. image. And likeness. likeness. The purpose of the creation of man was in order that man would bear witness to God. Man would be a testimony of God. Man would carry the testimony of God and witness to God. And so um, God is gracious. And his grace is expressed in the fact that everything in the universe that he created, he created and gave them a testimony. What do I mean by testimony? He put within them something of himself that they can mirror back. And so everything is blessed to the degree that they resemble God in one way or the other. So when you see the rock, it's talking about God's might, you know, God's immovableness, his impregnability, his steadfastness, his majesty. You see, if you see the rock standing majestically, immovable, it's, it's, it's a testimony. It's talking about something that the original attribute is in God. So when David says, my rock and my strength, it does not mean that God is a stone. He actually says that that thing that you see, that you, your mind touches when you think of a rock, that is God. So God is my rock. He's that immovable one for me. He says a rock of ages. I can run to him and I'll find him there. You know, and all that. So when you look at the water, it's, it's a testimony. It has a testimony of, of the word. It reflects the word. It looks like the word. You see, the, the, the way the, 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 we were coming, you know, from the island this morning. And I'm looking over the ocean and then seeing that sense of peace and serenity that the water only can carry. You know, the water can capture peace the way nothing else. Nothing else can, ca- can capture peace. If you've ever been alone in a river by yourself, anybody had that experience? Alone in a river, you have that sense of the, the, the peace is to a point, the, the stillness and the peace is to a point of almost death. That sometimes you feel haunted the, the, to a point of loneliness. I mean, it will strike you in a way that after a while you want people to come around because it's too much. You know, the quietness is too much, you know, and all that. And only the water has the power to capture peace like that. And then the Bible says, sanctify them by the washing of water by the word. So it's a picture of the word. So the water rejoices that it looks like the word and all of that. And then the, the wind rejoices that it looks like the Holy Ghost, that it carries up attributes and everything, the flowers, so everything has its testimony and they show that. But when God created man, he created a man and gave him the ultimate testimony that man would capture all the, 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 the boundaries, the, 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 the spectrum of the colors of the almighty. You know, and so that, that is man. He was called to reflect God. And so the, the real purpose of man is that in him, God would see himself and know himself and that in him, God would find a habitation. But, of course, that's not what is happening right now in the universe. There's a thing that entered the world called sin. And sin, uh, when it comes, comes to mar the testimony. It comes to destroy the testimony, to spoil it so that that thing that looked like God no longer looks like God. And then as soon as sin has begun to eat at a thing and to destroy the testimony, death comes. And death brings estrangement. It separates from God. And then the grave, when death has killed, then the grave comes and holds. The grave, the grave is a final holding place. Uh, the psalmist said in, in Psalms 88, it says, free among the dead like the slain that lie in the grave whom you remember no more, and they are cut off from your hands. So when you get to the grave, you, you come into the, the memory, your memory is lost in God. You are totally separated, taken away from him. I mean like taken away from him. And instead, you're, 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 they are cut off from your hands. The hands of God means the oppression of God, the salvation of God, the help of God, the, the ability of God to reach. So when things enter into that state where God can no longer touch them, God can no longer reach them, he can no longer save them, he can no, that's the power of the grave. That's the power of the grave. And these are the things that Satan has engineered into the universe to deal with things. To first of all, mad, disrupt the testimony. And then after disrupting the testimony, to, to destroy the thing totally, like kill it, separate it from God, so that there's no linkage with God, and then make that a permanent thing. So that, like, free among the slain, like the dead that lie in the grave, whom you remember no more. So God no longer remembers it. As far as God is concerned, the thing does not exist. So Satan is working in the universe to get things to that state where they don't exist anymore. Total separation from God. Like total, when you look at the thing, it, you won't feel God. You can't touch the thing and touch God. Now, if I touch water, I can touch peace. And all that, but he wants to mess water in a way that when you touch water, you, you won't remember peace. It won't reflect God. It won't tell you anything. It won't lead, lead you back to God. There's nothing here that will lead back to God. Now, it's easy to, to, to see it when you think about man. Now, Satan wants to destroy 
For example, you know why God created marriage? It's actually much more than for a man and a woman to just day and then to have children. Those things will happen in a marriage. But when Paul begins to say, husbands, love your wife as Christ loves the church and all of that, then he said, this is a great mystery. But actually, I'm speaking about Christ and his church. So when you say marriage, he's, he's looking beyond marriage. He's seen Christ and his body. And that is what it embodies. And so every time you touch marriage, immediately is a testimony, is a witness of Christ and his body. So this thing testifies, it speaks. And witnesses are powerful. Yeah. See, witnesses are powerful. Yeah. As a matter of fact, you see, I've, I've shifted from what I was going to teach. I'm going in a different direction. Let me follow the Holy Ghost. So rather than reading that scripture, I ought to have read for you um, Revelation chapter 3. I don't know, verse 14 or so, the God was talking to the Laodicean church. Or Jesus was talking to the Laodicean church. And then he says to them in that scripture, he says, um, Okay, unto the angel of the church of Laodiceans, write this thing, says the Amen, the faithful and the true witness. The faithful and the true witness. He calls himself the witness. Jesus was the first Jehovah witness. And the real Jehovah's witness. How is he Jehovah's witness? He is the one that articulates the father. He says no man had seen God at any time. The only begotten son of the father. He had declared him. John chapter 1. Now the word declare is a word that actually means exegomahi. Which actually means to unfold. To lead forth. To make apparent. To, like to, 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 to narrate something. To, to, to unfold. To, to reveal something. So the ministry of Jesus is to unfold, is to unscroll the Father so that the Father will be seen. It's his ministry. Actually, all things have that extent of revealing a little of the Father, but for Jesus, is the ultimate witness because Hebrews chapter 1 tells us that that God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past to the fathers through the prophet, the prophets have in these last days spoken to us in his son is more than by his son, is more than through his son, is in his son, whom he had appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. He is the express, that's the word express image. Everything images a portion because. Romans 1 tells us that from the creation of the world, Romans chapter 2, that the invisible attributes of God are clearly discernible in the things that are made. That is his eternal power and Godhead. They have been seen, they've been articulated in all of creation. So everything, stars, moon, earth, space, time, everything communicates something of God. But Jesus is the express image. His express. So he, he, he doesn't just show the Father. He does more than show the Father. Some transition reads in that scripture that, that says he is the brightness of his glory. Uh, 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 um, some transition read that he is God's reflection. Uh, but he reflects God. But that is a very imperfect translation. G- Jesus does not reflect God. The fact of rep- reflection introduces a second element, which is a mirror. So a light is, light is shining from an incandescent source. It's incident upon the surface of a mirror. Bounces back and then you see. So the mirror is the reflector. It reflects. No, so Jesus is not a mirror that stands aside from God and receives the light of God and bounces it so you can see it. Jesus is a very ray penetrating from God. He's the very shine of God. He's the outraying of God. That light that comes, that is Jesus. He's not the mirror. He is the shining of God. So if you, if you say you see God, I will tell you that you saw Jesus. Do you understand that? Yeah. And now, this is not just words. For real. Yeah. In reality, Jesus is God's witness. How is he a witness? He is everything that God is, and he does everything that God does. He is so connected to God that he says, our scripture says, you know, in John chapter 10, that the son can of himself do nothing. Yeah. It says he can do nothing. Now, remember, the son is sinless. Remember this, like he didn't sin. He, the son is, he has the Holy Ghost without measure. And all of that. If he could have done anything, he would say be right. Yet, because he is a son, he is a ray. He is not the father, so he is not the source. So in keeping true to his nature as a son, 
He must be the father's movement. So he does not move until the father moves. And that movement is what they call the shine of the father. Now the father moves. The father does. Every time you see Jesus doing, it was that something in him, which is God, was what was moving him. Everything that Jesus is, is what God wants to reveal and manifest. Are you with me? Now the good news is that Jesus is the vicarious man. Now the word vicarious is from the word vicar. Uh, which uh, maybe those of you who have uh, uh, a background of orthodoxy, you know, understand the vicar, like, uh, the, like they say, the Pope is the Lord's vicar, is God's vicar or Christ's vicar. It's his representation, his representative. He, he stands in place of God. So when you say the Pope, almost like you don't need to look for God, like he represents him, he's his able representative, that's a vicar. Okay, so Jesus is a vicarious man. He represents God totally so that in him, you don't need to look for God. Because a certain young man asked him one time, like, Father this, Father that, Father that, show us the Father. And, it's, and it suffices us. And Jesus was like, Philip, he was rather stern. Have I been with you so long and you don't understand, Jack? I was like, ah, it's just an innocent question. Ah, sir, bros, easy now. It's not that deep. <laughs> Stop this thing now. And he's just saying, and you've been talking about my father this. My father sent me, my father that, my father. Just, just, just show us the Father, everything. Father, 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 show us. And then Jesus is like, don't you know, Jack, have I been with you so long? If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. There's nothing you will see again if I point you to him. If you look inside, you say, size you, Jesus is you. Do you understand? It's like, go in there. Where's the Father? Go in there, you'll see him. And then he's there, he's right in there. When you open, you find Jesus. Ah, but sir, I thought... Is you, sir. That's Jesus. He is, he gives a body to the Father. He expresses the Father. He is a, so, so long as the witness of God, because Acts, the book of Acts tells us that God has never left himself without witness. So long as the witness of God is in a place, God is there. God is there if his witness is there. And you know what Satan is doing? Satan don't want God in this universe. See? Satan's task is to delete God. You know, like uh, the, the people talk about deleting Trump, deleting his works, his memory, discrediting everything, trashing it to the ground, so it to be as if he never was. That's what Satan is doing with the universe. Delete God. Take hold of things that God has put here. Spoil it. Turn it. So, take hold of marriage, for example. Turn it from, since we cannot altogether scatter it that men should not connect to women or that people should not connect to themselves because it's in man to connect. And Satan does not have a way of deleting those emotions and all of those things from men. So we're just going to mess it up. We'll confuse it. So you feel for a man. You, you feel for a woman. And then and we just spoil this thing. So that when a man and a man hold themselves and then walk up the eye, it's, it's a strange thing. It's a strange concept. Nothing in heaven looks like that. It's not a witness to anything. So... Because it does not mirror anything. The glory of God cannot overshadow it and heaven cannot penetrate. Light only, only passes through when there is alignment. Some of you who are physics students know that because light only travels in a straight line. And so we do those experiments where they put a light bulb and they put two cardboards and then they put film and then they put a pinhole in between. When they're aligned, you see light here. When you shift one of the cardboards a little bit, the light will not meander because he doesn't do, he, he goes straight. So if you shift this anyone, there's no alignment, you won't see light. So the God is light. This then, first John chapter 1, this then is the message that we receive, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. So God travels along the line of witness. So if there is no alignment with him, what is in this realm will not appear in that realm. And so God always calls for, calls for alignment. Alignment is the witness. So if I build my home in a certain way, you'll see peace will be there. Do you get that? Have you come to a home that's built in a certain way that you never see peace there? And if I build my house in a certain way, love will be there. If I build in a certain way, the glory of God. So it's the alignment, the wisdom with which I align my house will determine what will come from the realm of the spirit into that realm. So Satan wants to delete this universe. The, the witness of God from this universe, take it off so that there is no God here. No, you can't touch God and then remember, you can't touch anything and remember God. So I can't see a beautiful sister and just think, oh my God, and think of the motherhood of God. You know, you, you, you just think of the faithfulness of God. I know that when I see a, a, a girl, 
the thought in my mind should be, how can ravish her? How, you know, something, he wants to make her look in a certain way, dress in a certain way, so that the, the, the thought that comes to my mind is not holy, it's not heavenly, it does not touch anything, and all that, and if you can do that with everything, then he has succeeded in like owning the world, taking the world from God. He's always wanted God's stuff from the beginning. He saw his throne and saw his glory and began to say, I will, I will ascend, I will take over, I will do this, I will. That ambition is still there. She still wants that is God's. Jesus speaks about, or Paul speaks about the Antichrist, or the man of sin who will sit in the temple of God. As God, sit in the very seat of God, defying that he himself is God. And then you have Antichrist. Many will come in my name saying, I am. There's always that wanting to lay claim on the things of God, wanting the things of God. When Babylon came after, after Judah and, and besieged it, they took the princes. Then up among them, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Daniel, those that look like the pre, like priests, that have all the quality of priesthood, and says, I want those ones. Bring them into my court. And then she took them, changed their name, gave them the names of God, changed their language, changed their education. He's configuring them so that when you touch them, they won't, God will not pass through. But these guys understood the, the, the battle and the warfare. And so they kept their consecration. They said, we will not defile ourselves with those things. We will keep our alignment so that God can say, pass through. Satan wants to spoil the world and he's spoiling gender. Suddenly he's confusing the things. Take a, take a little baby. Turn it to a boy. Turn it back. Scatter things. Call them baby. And I mean like baby. Then take, 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 take the human flesh. Say, uh, let, let's make it bionic. We'll add, we'll add uh, uh, some components, some machine and all that. And move it to post-human and all of that. And we we'll take some chip. We'll put it in. What's he doing? He's destroying the testimony, the witness. So that it won't look. In those days, there was a time when the testimony was almost destroyed. When the sons of God came among men. And then the Nephilims were in the land and giants and all that. And because of the kind of thing, creatures on the earth, the imagination of the heart of man was wicked and evil con- perpetually, like continuously. And then but the Bible says, Noah was perfect in sight of God. That Noah kept the testimony. He, he kept it pure. And God says, now let's take that pure one and use it to repopulate the earth. Because Satan had spoiled everything. Now he's spoiling the world again. And in the midst of that, God is looking for keepers. I said God is looking for keepers. You know, people who can keep the testimony. People who can trap life down in this earth. We're in uh, uh, my, uh, one of my brother, Olumide Yoon's house uh, the other day. And he was talking about his process and all of that. And then when he finished, uh, my wife and I said to him, that God has preserved you. God, uh, is this innocence, this pure heart. For somebody who has the capacity to blow, if you do certain things, but has decided to stay with God. And then while his, his friends are blowing, he's not blowing like that. But when you touch him, you see that he has kept one feeling. I said, you see this little feeling, this little emotion, this little purity that you have is not little. Low. The price of this thing is massive in heaven because it's not easy to keep this thing. The hearts of men will just be corrupt in a certain way and you can't get back purity. Adam was called to be a keeper. You see the word Adam, the name Adam, the way we spell it is A-D-A-M. In the, in, the, in the Hebrew, it is Aleph, Dalet, and Mem. And Aleph, uh, I mean, uh, Aleph is the, uh, uh, has the pictogram of the head of an ox. Dalet is a letter number four, is the, has a pictogram of a door. And Mem is a flowing river. So Adam actually means the head of a door, you know, that, that, that streams with life. So he was the head of a gateway, of a door. Adam was a portal, so to say. Heaven wanted to pass through him into the universe. In the end, it was death that passed through him. Because as by one man, sin entered. When they say as by one man, sin entered, that means the man is a gateway, is a doorway. As by one man, sin entered and then death by sin. And then that spread over all the world. So Adam was was supposed to be a keeper of the estate. God put him in a garden and said, keep and tend. Keep. And you know, God is your number one keeper. Yeah. It says, he that keepeth Israel will neither sleep nor slumber. The Lord is my keeper, is my shade upon my right hand. God is a keeper. He's able to keep that which is committed to him. People, Jesus also is a keeper. I told you, Father, I said, all that you've given me, I've kept. None is lost except the son of perdition. The Holy Ghost is also a keeper. The early apostles understood keeping. 
Paul said, I've kept the faith. I've kept. Because Jesus said, if the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? What will happen to faith? It will be lost. Satan will steal it and spoil it and mad it, destroy it. But some people will keep. It's like those, those movies that you see, some, some ancient family keeping something, keeping a treasure. That's what we will come to do. Keep God here. Because God is always putting things in the universe. Taking things from heaven, putting it here. Taking things, eventually he's going to ship the heavens into the earth. That's what you see in that scripture we read. The tabernacle of God will come among men. God himself will come here. Heaven is heading to the earth. While some people are wanting to head to heaven, heaven is actually heading to the earth. But can heaven be kept here? Now, go beyond the theology of thinking of what massive heaven. Can heaven come into your home? Can heaven come into your business? And can you keep heaven there? Can you keep peace? Because, because the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. So I told Olimide, I said, God has kept you. He is preserved, and this thing is precious. And these are the kind of things, these little things that, you know, the way we, many of us have eaten into Babylon. If you have one million likes, you think you have something. Because you're popular, you feel that you have rank. Some people will do some stuff now and then they find out that, ah, they have 10,000 10, followers on, on, maybe on IG. And then they open Pastor Zach's IG page. And they find out, oh, he has 6,000. And they think that they are bigger than him. Because, you know, this is the way they think, because I have more likes. And they carry themselves in a certain way. That has nothing to do with nothing, no. I look at Rick Jonah's life and say, Rick Jonah has only 10,000 likes. May I have 20,000? So, um, he should be respecting me. Those are Babylon. The success standard of the earth are not the success standard of the kingdom. How we measure success are not at all. We have to come back. Do you know? I was talking, so I was talking to my brother, and I said to him, "Oh my God, I have to share the grace now." So I said to him, um, "You know, the world of Noah, that world I described right now, when the testimony was lost, was lost, was destroyed. Do you know what destroyed the world of Noah? You guys know, it was Noah's witness." It was Noah's righteousness. It was what Noah kept that gave God the legal right to destroy the earth. The book of Hebrews tells us that by faith Noah, being moved with godly fear, prepared an act to the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and then he became the heir of, of, of righteousness, which is by faith. He condemned the world by his own obedience, by his righteousness. He, he Noah, condemned a whole world. Not his village, not his city, not his country. A whole world. He destroyed that world by his righteousness. So that little thing that you have, that's your small obedience that looks like, hmm, you don't know the might of that thing. It was one little disobedience, one little eating of apple or something or baluma or something that put this world in this wahala now. The things that are little, maybe powerful in the sight of God. One little porridge and one man lost out the destiny in God, he could have conferred God with the title, God of Abraham, Isaac and Esau. He could have conferred that upon God. He could have named God in, by his name. Imagine that privilege for God to be called by your name. But he didn't because of one porridge. One small porridge like that. Hallelujah. Have I said anything to you? Because there's so much to say and I've run out of time. And so the things I said about witness is in this book. It's in this book and I didn't scratch it. And I have a, a few copies here. Um, it's 1K. So sorry for marketing. Yeah. Do I want to give you guys, I need to take some to that church. Okay, and then I, I, I have a book also called um, Weaponizing Your Children. I have ten copies here, but I'm only going to give you five copies because I'm taking five to... Thanks, church. Should we give them? <laughs> Amen. Okay, but I, I, I didn't preach to my kids this book. Yes? There's just so much to say, and all is in this well, the rise of the witness. I was reading it this morning. As a matter of fact, I read the whole book this morning. Even though I, I, I wrote it. I'm, I'm thinking, wow, this book is great. Like, 
For real. Wow. And usually then I know it wasn't me. It was the enablement of God to write it. The thought, you know, was just clear. This is life now. So what are we doing as believers? It's not just to blow and to be happy. If heaven cannot pass through you, if you cannot register something that's eternal, if what your life cannot take hold of something in heaven and bring it into this earth, it doesn't matter what land and houses or cars or whatever you have, you've just failed. So Jesus says, what will it profit a man to gain the whole world? And then in the end, there's no value to his soul. But in the name of Jesus, um, there's a great work going here. The, the spirit I felt in this house is alive. I like the consistency of this man of God. I always enjoy you when I see you on that drums. The grace of God is too beautiful in your life. They're like tiffing you <laughs> to Abuja. But that won't be good for you guys. So, <laughs> yeah, you're just Jesus. <laughs> Amen. So I spread my hands over you, church, and just bless you on your journey in God. I bless you in the name of Jesus. I declare that um, what God has begun in you will be sustained. Yeah. I ask that a new level of, 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 of access to divine architecture will be made available to you. Yeah. Now you will build with ease. Yeah. You, the, 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 the prophetic order of, of, of witness, that is a prophetic frequency of Jesus, will be represented in this house. You will know how to execute kingdom patterns and kingdom life and portions of heaven and realities and civilizations in God. You will bring it here seamlessly, naturally, like playfully. It won't be with, with, with years of fastings and, and, and massive you know, labors in the flesh and all that. No, the ease of God will enable you to articulate heavenly realities and bring them here in the name of Jesus. This place is a portal and will remain a portal unto God. The men coming here will touch the glory of God and touch the power of God and touch the witness of God and the spirit. And experience his majesty. This house is blessed. We just put the blessing of God in our lives upon you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you all.